Good morning. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. How's it going? Pretty well. How are you? I'm good. You're back. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we got on the mics together. It is. There was a usurper on your throne. I heard that. I just listened to the episode this morning, actually, when it dropped. Nice. What'd you think? Uh, it was good. Yeah, it was. It was fun to hear that kind of conversation. Like you said, like. Yeah, there's not much content out there. Most stuff is kind of focused on earlier stage. So to hear, you know, people with scaling, scaling companies kind of talk about talk shop and stuff was uh, yeah helpful. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in this idea of like company operating systems, like the 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 tools you're using to run to like to organize a group of people around a common goal. I'd like to talk to some more people actually because like I'm interested in seeing what's common across various companies and then like what are the interesting differences as well it's one of those areas that's really easy to mess up (laughs) like like it's it's no small feat like getting hiring teams and then having them actually execute on things and do it well and keep people happy and yeah i was listening to it and I, i was appreciating the amount of work that goes into just doing this type of job and also i was contemplating for myself the whole time like is that what i want to do do i want to grow big teams and worry about that problem set and that's kind of a whole it's like a little existential theme that i've been kind of marinating on the last couple of weeks actually as i felt overwhelmed by the amount of work in front of me on my plate just for you know post product hunt launch and all the activity from that and like considering you know i could i could hire for a bunch of these different roles potentially but then also asking myself do i really want to go there yet or do i want to stay in this kind of simple mode um yeah, yeah. I, it, it's it's definitely interesting. I feel like you've brought up this stuff a couple times. Like, yeah. does Derek want to be like the CEO or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still an open question in my mind. I mean, do I want to grow a successful company? Yes. Do I want to you know, achieve SaaS success? Yes, I do. But I also know my happy place is building product. And what does that look like as I try to pursue both those goals? Like, I don't want this to be the phase where... It's like I always look back on the early days of like, remember when I could just, when things were simple, and I didn't have a bunch of meetings and calls and I could just build product and talk to customers. Oh, wasn't that nice? And like, how can I keep that nice indefinitely? Is it even possible? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like maybe you could, like I've been noticing lately, like we, not that long ago, we're three full-time people, just founders. And now we're five full-time, three part-time. We've added a lot more hands. And I've been noticing it both in the good way, where it's like we have these, like there's definitely a lot more things happening at once. We're pushing a lot of projects forward simultaneously, but also it requires more management. And it, it sort of hasn't started breaking exactly yet, but I, I, I feel like that it probably will. Like I think without careful, and even as, as we try to do it well, I think just like not having quite the right cadence for check-ins or you know subtle breakage like oh this person over here didn't realize that we had deprioritized that or you know they're actually they're duplicating work that someone else is doing over here or like i'm sure like some of that the inefficiency is already starting to creep in there's an interesting thing there around like what if you just said no we, we're not ever going to get big like i want this team single digits forever or something and like what could you do with that right another thing that i've been thinking about you know it's been really nice working with Corey because he's a he's a contractor in the fullest sense of the term. Like he's, he's an independent expert on his field. He brings his ideas to me and I share my ideas with him and he executes on things. And it doesn't feel like the same dynamic as me saying like, I went out to go hire a marketer and I'm going to train them on 
train them on stuff and be their manager and, you know, have all that set of responsibilities. Like I don't feel like I have to manage the work that Corey's doing in the same way. We collaborate on things, but it's not that same dynamic. And it makes me wonder, like, can that be a strategy for a while, at least an approach I take on getting help with work? You know, I think I could see definitely see that with the developer too, like just hiring a really, really good full stack developer who can just take projects and run with them. And it's not like I'm having to, to do so much management and onboarding. And could I do that with support potentially? Is there someone out there running a company that has outsourced support? And would that scale and work? You know, it'll probably be more expensive, but SaaS margins are good. So does that matter? You know, in exchange for not having to like actually build the team and manage the individual like performance of the people on the team, but instead just saying like, no, I'm so I'm paying you X company to hire and build this team of happy people who can support my product. Um, Mm -hmm. I think software companies are moving this direction already. Like I imagine maybe 10 years ago or something or 15 years ago, it would have been kind of crazy to have a company without like a dedicated accounting department or HR department or uh, things like that. And now those are increasingly being like services you can kind of pull off the shelf from somebody else. There's probably a lot of room to keep pushing stuff in that direction if you just decide that's like, that's how I want to run this. Right. Yeah. And that, that's the interesting thing about software companies is it feels like you can you can kind of break a lot of the traditional rules of of entrepreneurship or running a building a company. Because if you read like more conventional advice books on on how to build companies, I mean, the whole trope about like working on your company, not in your company and being kind of focusing more on the company building aspect than individual contributor aspects of it. And that's what entrepreneurs are, quote unquote, supposed to do. And it doesn't feel as interesting to me as like a vocation. Like I want my vocation to be building product. I feel like if I don't deliberately go down this path and try to solve for the solve for the things that I'm deliberately choosing not to focus on, then then I could just end up plateauing or doing a bad job at building an actual business, you know? So Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think the yeah, I mean the, the growth will sort of happen accidentally if you don't manage it, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like the the e- the easy natural common answer will be like, well, add another person to do these things. Yeah. I think you'll have to fight that if that's what you've decided you want. Right. Right. It's tough because I've I've felt like, you know, definitely a lot of activity, a lot of signups, a lot of customer questions, support tickets, all the things, just all the all things are up right now. And I'm a little bit overwhelmed overall by it. I mean, it's good problems to have, but feeling overwhelmed and feeling like I'm doing a lot of things not that well. Some people take that as a sign of like, well, you need to get some help. You need to hire, you know, hire somebody. But I'm also... I just still feel this tension of like, but I, I don't know if I want to do that quite yet or if I want to do it more in the, uh, along the lines of like what I have with Corey, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And so when I was working with that coach, she was always encouraging me to get clear about what I wanted. Yeah, right. There's a pretty huge solution space here and it's all about clicking your trade-offs, but you have to decide what the set of trade-offs you want is. Yeah, I think constantly revisiting that question or not continuously because that would be too often, but at regular intervals, revisiting the question of like, yeah, why am I doing what am I, what I'm doing? Why did I choose to do this instead of get a job? What's my end goal? Something I want to stay really far ahead of if I can, like I'm driving towards default alive, being profitable on being able to pay myself. And I think that's going to be a big tipping point where it's like, I need to figure out, okay, now that goal achieved, 
you know, we're sustainable. Now what? Like, am, am I going to continue grinding as hard as I am right now to move at as fast a pace as possible? Do I decide that's not it's not a sustainable place to stay in. And so willing to accept like a little bit slower growth to have a calmer working pattern, you know, all these things swirling around in my head. At least it's those things and not like, how do we not die? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's true. So I'm talking to you uh, with a new microphone, by the way. Ooh, what'd you get? So my beloved ATR 2100 finally died. Hmm. Uh, I spilled water on it. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> it, 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 it did not come back from that. And so I got an ATR 2100X. Nice. Okay. Which I think is just like, you know, a rebooted version of that same mm-hmm. same mic. The one that we both had for the longest time. I don't think they even make that anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 gone now. But so now I have a, basically it's, you know, Descendant, uh, which seems seems great. Seems very similar. It might be like a tiny bit more bassy, I think, possibly. But anyway, it seems to be have about this about the same sound, and I'm I'm very happy with it. But by far the best part is that it has a USB C connector. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. So does my new mic. I have the Shure uh, something something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can't That's a good what one. The model number is. <laughs> People probably don't know because we've sort of shielded them from this. But you and I have rescheduled many a podcast because I remembered the mic, but not the dongle. And only had my uh, yes, <laughs> my MacBook, and so I'd have a USB A and no C, and yeah. So anyway, no more dongle worries. Nice, that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I've been up in uh, Vermont for several weeks now. Ah, doing um, some skiing. Doing some skiing. Yeah, it's been another like kind of like I did with the vineyard, where I'm mixing kind of working part of the day and then taking advantage of the area uh, for part of it. So mostly skiing. I've skied more than I have ever skied in my life, which is awesome. Um, finally getting a chance to like really improve at it by doing it a lot. But then also mixing in some hiking when we can't or when it's not as good a ski day. And I tried cross country for the first time as well the other day. So I'm doing like all the winter activities. And it's been, it's been kind of glorious. How are you feeling like um, in terms of balancing, you know, taking obviously time for, for recreation and doing work? Are you feeling... Have you managed to like not feel guilty about ditching out on work a bunch or like, yeah, how's your psychology around that? I would say it's mostly working pretty well. I feel like the biggest struggle is in my standing meetings um, where it's like, oh, some day, like, okay, turns out this day is just a really good ski day. So we want to ski tomorrow, but I'm supposed to have a couple one-on-ones and a podcast um, and a stand-up. And so it's like, oh, I got to cancel a bunch of things or move a bunch of things or not do it or so... I do kind of feel like, well, I do kind of feel like I wish I just had fewer standing meetings. Yeah, <laughs> right. That might be the solution. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I think that's kind of the the fix the root cause here answer. But then also like trying to just like figure out my schedule for the week ahead of time so I can give people more notice if I do need to move stuff around. Also, also kind of work worth doing. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm doing an okay job of it. But there, I do think there's, there's some improvements that could be made for sure. One thing that stood out to me is like Spencer at Podia does one-on-ones once a month and I'm currently doing them once a week and I think his is closer to correct than mine Uh, it's hard to have much week to week I think most of the time I think once someone is kind of like onboarded and going things are going well I think maybe like every other week or or monthly makes more sense so I I think I'm gonna try to I feel like we did monthly too at drip once we got more rigorous with with kind of 
doing that on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the one-on-ones are kind of becoming status meetings. It's not really the point. Like, tell me what you're doing and what you're going to do next is like kind of like probably the probably the worst use of a one-on-one, I guess, because like that could that's that's so an email versus like, how are you? Let's give each other feedback. Uh, let's talk about longer term things, that kind of deal. And that that shouldn't need to happen every week, I think. Well, and I heard him say that like one month is a good amount of time if there is something corrective or something to to work on, like one month is a good amount of time to actually get some get some time under it. I can imagine if there was a tough like a critical piece of feedback um, for someone to to work on, like having to check in a week later, like, all right, so how have you <laughs> have you made progress on that thing we talked about last week? Seems like it might be a little put a little <laughs> too much pressure on somebody, you know, definitely. So, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So could use some tweaks there. I think mm-hmm. we got a funny video from a customer the other day. So we rolled out that improved copy paste that I told you about. And I guess these people sort of missed the announcement or something. And so they send us, they, they recorded this video for us, which is like, we're showing you like, we're confused by the copy paste behavior. And so Lido, our support person was like, oh, can you send me a video like what you're talking about? And so we have this video of two people using the thing and then realizing that like copy paste just works across the thing. And like the old clunky way that they were looking for is gone, but like the, the better uh, way works. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess actually my feedback is good job. <laughs> that's great yeah. i love that it's yeah. pretty excellent i mean that, that it took a lot of shaping to get that feature to where we wanted it and so like ha- having someone do it and like oh wait i wonder if this just works oh that does just work oh you try this does that just work oh that does just work and like their mental model basically just worked and like they figured out how it worked and what the sort of model was and it was like ah yes it just like all clicked into place and it was delightful as a as a product designer in that moment Yep, kind of seems like you nailed it. If it's intuitive, and they they didn't have to like go read the docs and figure out on how to use this, they just did what they expected it to do, and it worked. And that's great. Yeah, they were, and the confusion was because you know they were used to the old bad way, and once they figured out the new way, they're like, oh yeah, this is just better. Cool, great, thank you. <laughs> nice, that's good. Yeah, and yeah, um, I've been working on a strategy doc to share with folks because I want to take growth stuff a little bit more seriously slash rigorous this year we have i wouldn't say coasted but we've been you know we've had some nice tailwinds and so we have sort of been able to get away with not putting too much focus on these things but i'm setting some like slightly more aggressive targets that will take more work to get to and also just like this is something that we should be doing so we don't we don't want to like inadvertently plateau or or something like that so i'm getting more serious around like funnel improvements plus like testing a variety of channels and actually tracking that work and calculating ROI and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Are you, so who's going to own that? Is it going to be you to start? I th- that's, that's the plan for now, but we've been getting some help from someone named uh, Dorothy, um, who is a developer who has some interest in like marketing and growth stuff. So she has been doing some smaller projects there. And so I think... I may end up owning this, owning this, or she may end up owning this. I'm not totally sure. We'll see. So just kind of like testing out different marketing things and just growth strategies in general. So, so the the plan as of now, and this is like it's still in a rough draft kind of thing. I haven't even published it internally. What I'm thinking of is sort of like spend the rest of this quarter and all of next quarter on funnel improvements, and then get more aggressive for the rest of the year about testing, like throwing more stuff into that that new improved funnel. 
Right, right. So you're feeling like you have enough, there's enough people coming through the door, but then what happens once they, once they enter the funnel, you feel like could be probably worked on or optimized. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, we are, we're, we're getting hundreds of trials a month at this point. It'd be nice if it were more hundreds, but there's enough there to at least make it, to definitely make it worth looking for optimizations there. And then later, as we're investing time and money into testing channels, of course, it's better if you've already kind of optimized a bit and you're just going to get better results across the board. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so if we had even more people, or like there, we could maybe say like, let's do everything at once. But given where we're at, I think uh, focusing on something makes a little more sense for now. Yeah, that seems like the it's the higher leverage area to to optimize first because once people are already entering the funnel, it's like now they're there, so you don't want to bleed them out if if at all possible, and you want to you know, and then then later on you can work on getting more into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's just like a bunch of low hanging fruit there because it's 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 a fairly unoptimized thing at this point. So it's like I don't think we need massive overhauls on this to have um, decent results because there's a bunch of things that we've just been meaning to do for a long time that we were pretty confident we'll have uh, some, make some improvements. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's interesting to have this many people working on something. It's definitely, it's becoming a different thing. Now it's like, yeah, like it's like who, what meetings should we have? Who should attend them? How often should they be? What should we talk about? Uh, who's doing what? Who owns what, what things? How many hours should they work on this thing? what's next for everybody uh, it's it's definitely getting a little more complicated yeah and that's primarily your job to kind of do the sorting of that i mean that's the ceo's ceo's yeah. job right i yeah. think so trying to be good at it and talk to other ceos and see what they do and try ideas solicit feedback make them better and just keep keep working at it are you still getting the coaching right now or have you taken a break from that taking a break from that I've been getting feel like I've been getting good value from like talking to other CEOs as opposed to sort of coaching in a more like holistic way. Mm-hmm. So it's more like let me let me call my friend whoever and say like how do you all deal with this thing and kind of get like from the trenches data points uh, versus kind of like let's work on uh, Ben's dream setting for the five year plan for Tuple or something. I'm feeling a little more tactical these days is useful. So what's going on with you? On the product front, I've still been kind of working through a bunch of things that were like the first version of things that I shipped that now I feel like I'm needing to put an extra level of polish on because now that there's a bunch more people with their hands on the product, you know, a bunch of little things kind of emerging that are either either confusing or just could be better, um, especially in the booking experience. So I just shipped and it was kind of embarrassing that I didn't have this for the longest time but an official like rescheduling flow. So now when you when someone books an event, they get taken to a confirmation page. And then from that page, if they need to, they can click a reschedule button, does a little pop up, shows them basically a, a modified version of the scheduling link with the calendar. And they can click a new time and enter a reason for rescheduling and all that kind of stuff. That took a while. It actually, I ended up needing to, I didn't want to send people back to the original scheduling link. I knew I, knew I wanted it to be a, slightly different interface but but share a lot of the same um, functionality from that and the the booking page is like a 2000 line long react app thing that was pretty messy and 
I was like already kind of duplicating a lot of that logic in different places throughout the app because there's like the place where you can edit an availability preset, which also has a calendar that pulls in uh, availability intervals. And so like there was about three different places where a bunch of stuff was duplicated. And this was going to be a fourth where it was like almost 100% duplicated. So I decided, okay, this is the time to do do some refactoring. So I went in there, basically extracted this React hook that that uh, takes all the behavior that's common between them and puts it in this one place, and it feels really good now. There were some performance issues that emerged when I did this. Like the refactoring felt really good, and then I started testing the interface, and it was like entering keystrokes in text fields in this React app was like super slow. So there was something there was something going on, and that took it took like a good day to figure out like I had to go in and, and memoize a bunch of stuff and then figure out how to like make sure that caches were getting reset when certain state changed and there was a lot to it but thankfully it didn't uh I was like this could be this could be really bad and I was like on the cusp of like just just like setting the refactor aside and just dirty duplicating everything uh, because I knew it was like I introduced a performance problem somewhere in this and I don't know exactly where it is and it's really complicated to figure that out so maybe just set that aside and and uh, you know duplicate stuff and figure I'll do it later but I didn't have to do that in the end um, nice this feels like such a core part of your app that I imagine that you'll be glad you have it cleaned up yeah and in and ultimately like I figured out kind of the right the right solution so it was it was performant enough before but I think it was still still like re-rendering was happening too often in different at different points. And so now it's like the actual correct way to do it and everything's super fast. And so I feel good about that. Yeah. Leaving it in a better place. Yeah. So I've been kind of revisiting the the booking page itself, arguably the by by and large the most important interface in the entire product. And there's a bunch of things that like little bits of user feedback that I've gotten over time. Like some people say it's, you know, overwhelming and confusing to just see a big, a big calendar interface and they don't know exactly what to do, do first. Other people report that like the, the overlay feature, which was kind of, I felt like it was placed in a visually balanced way in the lower right hand corner. It's kind of like has its own spot and it's a toggle switch and it looks nice. But I think a lot of people said like, yeah, I don't, I think most people aren't noticing this is even there. So if you're wanting people to do this, and this is like a core part of the the experience is being able to overlay, like it's not going to get seen down there. And so a bunch of things like that. I have the ability to, to people can offer multiple duration options. And like most people never change it because they don't realize that it's a, that it's a changeable option. And so all these things combined kind of led me to like, okay, I need to do a pass on this and just kind of figure out, hopefully tackle multiple of these things at once in kind of a cohesive cohesive solution. Building really clean interfaces is, is extremely challenging. <laughs> I spent most of yesterday like playing around with a bunch of different variations and just it has to it has to both function well and just kind of look beautiful and just feel right, you know? <laughs> and oh, is that all? That's a lot of points to hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you're the man for the job. I think I can get there. I think I can get there. But I'm considering like how this is a big change. So like it's I want to make it very carefully. You know, I, this will change everybody's links for them. So it's like I'm cautious about that. I also want to move fast, though. I want to be able to, to ship stuff quickly. 
it would be cool to to like show this to some people and test some variations and and get a get a gauge for for what's good but i'm also kind of tempted to just like work really hard on it and kind of figure out like um like what's optimal and just just ship it and keep moving so it's it's tough to know when the right time is to like actually engage a process and get a bunch of customers involved and and all that and when to just make a call but this one is a pretty risky area so Mm, that's interesting i think that we've been we're going to do i think next week early next week is we we have the partial screen sharing feature pretty well it's getting there and so we had a few people that requested it and are like really interested in it so i wanted to get some early feedback from them Um, but it is a bit of a pain to like get them a build that has this in it our like design person is going to do a a loom video uh, and just we'll we'll send that to them and say here's you know here's how it works rather than try to get to the actual software and just kind of get some it's not you know it'd be nice if they could actually use it but i think we'll still get some some at least directionally correct feedback from them from that yeah that's not a bad idea i mean maybe i could at least try that because that's a pretty low time commitment type of thing to do to like kind of demonstrate what i think is best and then if if a bunch of people respond viscerally in certain directions then i'll know like okay i either need to workshop this even more or maybe if everyone says the same feedback then i know like okay that probably needs to change but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you might not need that many data points to get at least to make sure you're on the right track right yep and uh, i'm always available oh yeah that's true i can i can just run it by as a customer my buddies there you go Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then let's see one more thing On, on the marketing front we're looking at working on a referral program for customers right now and we kind of have some like some a bunch of ideas kind of kind of know a direction but Corey's been working a lot on it and and talking to people and kind of trying to get an idea of like how how best do we launch this thing to the world what should this deal structure look like we're not doing a full bore affiliate program just yet I don't think um but really like want to focus first on incentivizing existing customers to to refer other people and to be able to get some kind of you know incentive to do that Um, it's already happening quite a bit but i think i think it could happen even more and that's a pretty potent it's proven to be like a pretty potent channel for people like when when i pull people when they first sign up you know where did you hear about us whatever like the ones that are this is not surprising but the ones that are the strongest like potential customers are usually referred by someone else so Mm -hmm. so yeah cool yeah those are i feel like affiliate programs are interesting because in theory it sounds like a wonderful idea it's like your customers are gonna like get something and you get free evangelists and like it's just and it just runs itself it should have no overhead piece of cake i feel like that version of it doesn't really actually work based on anecdotes anecdotes that i've heard from people like it's an affiliate program is like a many months long you know, someone actually manages it, manages it, and works on it, and keeps applying gas and and whatnot to actually get results from it. Yeah, right. And I think the ones, I mean, the ones who have pulled it off successfully, I don't feel like I'm totally well studied on it, but just just from what I've seen, like they generally have some really really influential affiliates who drive like the front part of that tail is very <laughs> very high, and then it's then it's a long tail from there. So like. And I think that's probably the key part for for a true like affiliate program to make it work is getting some really, really big people. I think that's what like Pat Flynn was for ConvertKit. I think, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, 
help you figure it out anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How's MRR doing? It's good. Um, it's been still, still growing. Like obviously growth has slowed slightly from, from the January spike from product hunt. And I have been enduring this week, like a little, a little wave of churn, which was expected, you know, from, from people who just discovered it through that, through that route. So that's been a little painful. I thus far haven't really experienced much churn at all. So it's like, uh, you hate to see it, but gotcha. it's, comes naturally. So are you positive for February still or for the last 30 days? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. So still, still plugging along. I think, you know, default alive in in the springtime is still very much feasible and cool to happen. Yeah. Nice. That's glad to hear it. Yeah. Thank you. So you're, you're not a fan of clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, partially speaking out of turn because i don't i'm not in it and i don't i haven't experienced it myself but yeah like i i tweeted about this just like i'm a little concerned to see stuff that could otherwise be blogged or podcasted done synchronously in this lake walled garden mm-hmm. yeah i hear you i think that's I, I get it yeah what are your thoughts on it um i feel kind of the same way i mean i i get i think there's value in the ephemerality of it for them it like triggers this like fomo thing so it's like all right if someone were doing a random interview with someone ah, i might not check it in but like okay if i know i can't get it later <laughs> maybe it's worth sacrificing some of my whatever i was going to do today uh to listen to this possibly so i get i think it's kind of savvy by them and also maybe it encourages people to have more frank discussions or something or you know like you you're a little more open Right. I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to understand the the allure of the ephemerality. I just, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm enough of a like a millennial and not a Gen Zer or something that like the whole, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, or TikTok's not ephemeral, but like these like story driven things that expire, you know, like I've just never, I totally missed that, that wave of like being drawn to that. I'm, you know, so I guess I don't, I don't fully understand why that's, better i guess it leads like you're saying leads to more candid frank things if you know it's maybe. not on, pub, on record um, yeah maybe that could yeah. be part of it or just like you you don't feel as much pressure to uh make a perfect thing as you might if you were making a durable thing right but it's funny because i feel like this podcast is i've managed to release myself from the from the bar of it being perfect like it's pretty raw what we do here but I couldn't. I wouldn't want to do like this type of podcast on something like Clubhouse, where I know it's like not going to last. Because then it's like, well, if people didn't show up, it's wasted effort, you know. Mm. Yeah, but like if you and I hopped in a room and people started tuning in, and then we're like, oh, look, it's Adam, or like, oh, it's Joel, and like we like added Joel to the conversation, then we chatted for a bit, and then like, oh, it's oh, we know, oh, it's Rob, and then Rob hops in, and like now we're just talking about whatever. It, it does have this nice kind of uh, hallway track kind of vibe to it to some extent. I've I've done one thing so far, so you know, grain of salt. But like I did a, this chat with Adam and Ian Landsman, and then like we saw some people we knew, or like people had questions, and like we like brought them up on you know the stage, quote unquote. And so like we found some interesting topics and talked about things that we didn't know we were going to talk about, um, and, and saw some people that you know I haven't talked to in a while, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I like that aspect of of people being able to join in on a conversation. Like if we, for example, if we were recording this podcast right now and it was also being streamed 
and people could raise their hand and want to interject. I experienced this. I've heard other people talk about this too. Like anytime I'm listening to a podcast, especially one like this, where it's a couple of founders talking about something and you feel like you, you want to say something to them at that moment, like that would be kind of cool to have, have the ability to let people engage in that way. But I also think that it could make sense for, to kind of mash up the two where it's like, you know, producing a podcast, people can show up for the recording. They can do a raise their hand, join in. And then that like that goes live on a podcast feed. So it's still a, a thing, an artifact that lives in the world. That'd be an interesting thing to try for, for yeah. AOP sometime. Yeah. That'd, that'd be cool to see how that works. Mm-hmm. Our audience is un- uncommonly smart and would ask brilliant questions. So of course. Yeah. We know that. Um, yeah. Now, Clubhouse doesn't let you record right now, right? Or uh, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of having its moment. I suspect it will be not quite as much in the zeitgeist as time goes on, but I also could be wrong. Like, it could just be that this, like, sort of uh, ad hoc live audio thing is a new kind of social network space. And actually, it'll be around for a long time because you can listen to it while you're doing dishes, kind of like a podcast, but... Uh, also, if you want to, you could maybe jump in and say stuff or, you know, and the, and the sort of people d- dropping in and out, uh, nature of it could just be like an interesting, worthwhile option to have. Yeah. Yep. I could see that. My, my biggest issue too with it is that it's like, I don't feel like I can take time off during the day, during the work day to, to listen to this thing. And also like doing live stuff in my off time like that doesn't feel like um a good use of my downtime either so it's like i i feel like like, there's never a good time for me in my flow if i'm doing things right (laughs) to like (laughs) spend time in clubhouse i've popped it open a couple times since that first thing i did and none of the things i've seen in there have like gotten me interested i'm already kind of experiencing like churn a little bit uh, like maybe I'm not following the right people or maybe I need to just like focus on making my own things with people or something. But so far it has, uh, after that initial thing, I've been kind of like, eh, I don't know. And like, I love listening to podcasts at like almost 2x. It's like listening to a a fairly undirected, long, like like questions from the audience, unedited thing is like uh, my high, my brain, my impatient brain is kind of like, eh, I'm bored. Like, I don't want to be too critical of them. I think that they're, I'm all for like trying mashups of different paradigms. And, you know, it is, it is pretty interesting, their growth model. I mean, they're definitely exploiting the FOMO factor to, to the max. So there's probably some, probably some learnings from that too, you know? Yeah. I do think there's some, like audio is kind of a powerful thing, actually. I was talking to Wadden the other day and he was saying like, I, like 50% of his calls or something are just audio only on Tuple. And it's like, yep, that's, there's a lot of value. I get a lot of value out of just like calling people on voice on Tuple and just mm-hmm. chatting about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I think there's, there's something to that. Bringing back, uh, bringing back the paradigm of the telephone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. You've invented telephones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, cool. Should we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it. All right. Uh, notes of the show. Those for the show can be found at artproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Later.